man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me as always is the producer of Truth himself, Producer Juice. Truth Box, what do you got to say to the people out there in the Right and Wrong audience today, my friend? And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. <laughs> Absolutely. And that might be the theme of the show today. We got uh definitely have Christmas on our minds, so uh that that one definitely definitely fits right in. Great job, my friend. Keep up the good work with those. On today's show, we'll be talking about a developing story involving our favorite beret-wearing Boston City Councilor, Miss Julia Mejia. We will also try to dissect the extremely confusing story about how a female hockey player decked a male hockey player so hard that the male suffered a concussion. We'll see if, you're, if you'll be able to solve that confusing part when we do get to that one. Federal employee Sam Brinton is now up to two stolen suitcases filled with women's clothing in it. And Joe Biden celebrates the Respect for Marriage Act by inviting a bunch of trans activists and drag queens to a White House party of love. And finally, when we close out the show today with the always popular Come On Men segment of the day, we'll be getting to uh, hear from a racist, sexist, bigoted school board member when she explains the reasoning behind who she is supporting as the president of their district. So please... Ladies and gentlemen, do not forget to subscribe to the show and give us a like and a five-star review. And if you build up the proper amount of uh, liquid courage at your next Christmas party, please recommend us to all of your friends and family as well. We need your word of mouth to help grow this audience. So please, please, please help us out with that. All right. Now that we got that stuff done and out of the way, it is that time where we call in our good friend, Mr. Ric Flair. Because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 It's the Christmas season, and I'm sure I'm not the only one out there that looks forward to this time of year the same way Chris Christie looks forward to seeing the dessert tray come rolling out. Christmas trees are up in red cities, while winter celebrations take place in a blue city near you. I love seeing lights and lawn decorations. I love listening to Christmas music. I love going to church and seeing the number of lit candles increase each week during Advent. There's just a little something special in the air this time of year. Most of you out there must have a lineup of go-to Christmas movies to help get you in the spirit as well. It's this little aspect of the season that I really want to focus on right now. I know I dabbled a little bit last week with the Christmas movie talk, but I just can't help myself. What can I say? Specifically, we started talking about It's a Wonderful Life. And full disclosure, I believe myself and the truth box over there agree that Wonderful Life is by far the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Yay! I mean, come on, what a concept that is, right? A man at the end of the line who's ready to throw it all away gets the chance to see what life would be like if he had never been born. Can you imagine how wild that would be to have that happen to you? Now, it's a movie and fantasy, I get that. But the lesson is still an important one to think about. We truly do impact each other in so many ways that we will never actually fully understand in real time. It's important to realize what each and every one of us does is somehow 
in some way making a difference in someone else's life. When I visited with Juice over Thanksgiving, we were discussing the show and trying to map out the vision for where we want to be. And I remember that I was kind of sulking a little bit about the number of listeners staying stagnant. I'm hoping for an increase with each episode, and we're not quite there yet. And you said something that I haven't stopped thinking about since he said it. He said that he could point to two people, himself and his cousin, that have started going back to church each week because of listening to my story on the podcast. And he said that if this show never goes further than where we're at now, Those are two lives that I've been able to impact by speaking up and sharing my story. And to that, I say, amen, brother. And we also contemplated that maybe his brother finally um, decided to make an honest woman out of his longtime companion because of the moral lessons and um, teachings and, and values that we promote here on this show, too. So, you know, we might have that going for us, too. One of my biggest fears is coming across a little bit um, as preachy. And that's the last thing I'm trying to do because Lord knows I'm not perfect. Believe me, I'm far from it. I hadn't gone to church consistently for 10 plus years up until a little more than a year ago. But what you shared with me was just by talking about that experience of going back and sharing it, I was able to help show two other people that they could do the same thing too. And that's a powerful thing. That's part of the reason the left tries to shut down talk about religion. They know that it's meant to be shared, and that's the last thing that they want. It's equally important to remember that America was a better place when bartenders talked like Nick the Bartender does in the movie. Juice had me dying last week when he added that clip during post-production of the show. We make stiff drinks for men who want to get drunk fast, and we don't need any characters in here to sliven up the joint. You got me? And there's another thing. Where do you come off calling me Nick? I ain't never seen you a day in my life. (laughs) Now, I'm only half joking uh, there about that part. But It's a Wonderful Life shares a common characteristic with most of the other Christmas movies out there. It has a small town charm to it. Think about the plot to every cheesy Hallmark movie. Big city girl climbing the corporate ladder. She's a workaholic who's willing to put career success above all else. And what happens? She falls in love with a lumberjack from the country who has friendly banter with every store owner on the one main road in the town. In the end, the girl always reverts to the natural maternal instinct to live in a quiet town with the man of her dreams ready to start a family. She's willing to give up the individual career success to pursue the combined family success that she now has a new appreciation for. Do you think that rinse and repeat plot is by mistake? Nope. It's because deep down, that's just human nature. We're all looking to find that person that you connect with, that you share a set of values with, and that you can build something with. We're looking for someone that we can grow with. Michael Knowles described marriage perfectly when he said something along the lines of, marriages are about growth. You either grow together or you grow apart. I thought that was a perfect description of marriage. And go back to Wonderful Life. Look at the growth that George and and Mary Bailey go through. That's the most wonderful part of the whole story. George was a man always longing for something bigger and better when in reality, he was truly the richest man in town the whole time. And Mary, Mary understood that her life was wonderful, and she had no doubt about that. She was one of those hallmark movie girls that never needed to go work in the big city first to appreciate everything she had right there in Bedford Falls. So, Merry Christmas, movie house! Merry Christmas, Emporium! And Merry Christmas, you old building and loan! Hey! Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter! It's about that time in the show where we get to flip the script and move on over to the rights and wrongs of the week. So I got a few stories here that we're going to get to, and I will let you guys be the judge whether it is a right or a wrong. Let's take a look and see what we got today. So right off the bat... um. I mentioned in the opening that we were going to revisit a story, an ongoing story going on right now with our favorite 
city councilor, Boston city councilor up there in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, by the name of Julia Mahia. You may remember her from last week's episode. She earned herself a big, fat classic. Come on, man, for grandstanding and trying to tell everybody that referring to somebody as an addict or um, referring to the paraphernalia an addict would use to get high as a crack pipe is insensitive and mean and insulting and blah, 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 blah. You also might recall me mentioning from time to time how she has zero skills in public speaking, and she often wears a really silly-looking um, beret on the top of her head that actually it's not on the top of her head. It's on the side of her head, pretty much covering an ear. looks like just a, a tiny little breeze would blow that thing right off of her head. <laughs> so um, that's the person we're talking about here. Now, what did she do? That is still up for debate. It is not a fully developed story yet, I will tell you that. But I'm going to go and read, um, start reading directly from a posted story from Turtle Boy News. That is the in- independent journalist up there in the Massachusetts area by the name, um, I think it's Aiden Kenny, Kearney, something like that. Um, but he is a very popular blogger, journalist that's exposed a ton of shadiness over the course of the last few years up there in the um, good old state of Massachusetts, the protect each other at all costs types um, in the political scene. And Turtle Boy has exposed a lot of that stuff. So his stuff is typically pretty relevant. He comes and delivers with a very aggressive style and pretty much puts people on blast. So he um, has been tweeting that he's working on a developing story. And then he went ahead and posted something last night or it might have been two nights ago now by the time we're recording this. But here it is. The headline on the story. Boston City Councilor Julia Mejia makes Twitter account private after being asked about allegations of drunk driving and drug use. So reading from the story, in the last 48 hours, we have been inundated with tips about looking into an alleged drunk driving incident over the weekend in Boston involving city councilor Julia Mejia. We don't print rumors or gossip as fact, but the allegations were troubling because multiple sources within the Boston Police Department have alleged that an unnamed Boston police officer gave her a pass and allowed her to get a ride home. To be clear, we have no concrete evidence that this happened as the city is thus far refusing to hand over body camera footage and she was not arrested. However, the allegations gained credibility due to the volume of tips we've received about this. So I reached out to Mejia directly for comment yesterday. So that gets you guys caught up to speed. This is what's going on. Uh, Apparently, you know, drunk driving accident. Something going on like that, and the, the rumors are swirling that she might be involved in it. So this reporter trying to reach out for comment. He then shares the message that he sent her on Twitter. Hello, Counselor. Aiden Kearney from Turtle Boy Daily News in Worcester. I'm reaching out for comment on reposts I'm getting from sources within BPD that you were pulled over while drinking, while driving drunk last night, and were given a ride home by an officer. Is there any truth to this? Thanks. Then the story goes on to say, if a Boston police officer did give her a pass due to her position as a city councilor, turned off their body camera, and didn't treat her as they would a normal civilian, they'd be risking their careers. Mahia herself has been vocal about police transparency and accountability when it comes to covering crimes committed by other officers. Turtle Boy then goes on to post a link of a tweet from Mejia in the past that Mejia wrote, Boston police officers accused of crimes over the last decade have encountered a kinder, gentler justice system than the one civilians must navigate. A system where justice takes a backseat to protecting officers. We need to do better to be better. So she was very, you know, vocal about cops helping out other cops, this, that, and the other thing, trying to cover things up. But apparently when the shoe's on the other foot, you know, we got no comment anymore. Where's the outrage, counselor? Going back into the story here, Turtle Boy writes, 
As a result of legal precedent set in court cases involving former President Donald Trump blocking constituents on Twitter, elected officials are not allowed to block people they represent. I do not live in the city of Boston, so she's free to block me all she wants. But making your Twitter account completely private like that is a First Amendment violation since she uses the account to make policy and campaign announcements. And by making it private, her constituents are unable to read things she has said in the past. It's important to reiterate that making her account private does violate the First Amendment, but it is not proof or evidence that the allegations being made against her are true. The story continues, Mejia's three-year run as a city councilor has been loaded with controversy. She has proposed that the city stop using asphalt because it incites murder by making the streets too hot during the summer. Last year, she was criticized by a murder victim's family after she live-streamed a man's murder that occurred on her street in Mattapan. She has also been a vocal and steadfast supporter of Monica Cannon Grant, who has been charged with 18 counts of fraud in federal court. Wow. I forgot about that asphalt nonsense. Can you believe that? And I'm sure she delivered the message like this, something along these lines. We need to stop the inhuman, in, in, indecent, inhuman, inhumanitarian discrimination of citizens of Boston with the asphalt on our streets. Asphalt is not right. It is racist and it makes people hot during the summer. Me as an Afro-Latina first ever elected in the city council would expect more. And you will not be able to keep me quiet about the asphalt. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that impression sounded like her at all, but, you know, I have fun with it. Anyways, uh, back to the story. Turtle Boy also mentions that Mejia is quite active on TikTok. She recently posted video from a city council meeting in which she spoke out in defense of crackheads, claiming that terms like addicts and crack pipe were harmful to those who chose to smoke crack. And that's what we used last week for the Come On Man segment. You'll all remember that one. She really struggled with the word, um, what was it, Juice? Debacle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The debacle or the tobacco of the tobacco in the wacky, tobacky, tobacco, tobacco. <laughs> yeah, she cleared that one up for us. Great job. Um, her look over the last three years has dramatically changed. This is her when she won the final spot on the city council by exactly one vote in 2019. And he has a picture of her in there. Since then, she has taken on the image of a self-promoting, super cringe, single mom going through a midlife crisis. She often wears a beret, as as I stated, (laughs) has grown her hair out and has noticeable bags under her eyes that weren't there before. She is desperately trying to come across as super as a super hip counselor by <laughs> documenting her service to constituents on TikTok and using hashtags like hashtag BPS mom squad. She tries way too hard to be cool and constantly posts dance videos with her daughter. The occasional <laughs> the occasional spicy Latinx friend and geriatric boomers. <laughs> Mejia made a video at her alma mater, Dorchester High School. She mentions how she skipped school all the time when she was a student and shows kids the door she used to walk out of when she cut class in case current students wanted some tips. Maybe if she had went to uh, class, she would have learned that asphalt doesn't turn people into murderers. (laughs) Yep, and she might have learned how to say uh, debacle. She also posts videos of herself at council meetings doing the only thing she knows how to do as a politician. Virtue signaling while portraying herself as a victim due to her identity as an Afro-Latina she-her of color. The story continues by saying she also has been pushing for reparations because as a woman of color, she's entitled to money from the government for prior injustices that she wasn't alive for. The story concludes... 
by saying, we're currently being stonewalled by city officials about this matter. There is no record we have seen thus far of her being of her car being towed to a lot in B3, the district that covers Roxbury and Mattapan, nor was she arrested. But the allegation was that the alleged incident was covered up. So this is not surprising. All right. So I know I kind of threw a lot at us there. Um, Might have been a little stumbly over some of it. Uh, I apologize for that. I'm, um, you know, just an average Joe, much like Councilor Mejia there, and maybe ducked out of the uh, side door in high school a few times when I should have been there focusing on class. But I will say, this stuff is just completely unacceptable. And believe me, not that I don't think that stuff doesn't get looked the other way at times or that people don't deserve um, to be given the benefit of a doubt from a cop from time to time. I do think that's okay, and that's fine. But when you make your career on calling out the police all the time for telling people that um, there's a such thing as white privilege and that you're a victim because of your status as an Afro-Latina single mom trying to make it in this crazy, crazy world, it's just complete BS when you know it's the exact opposite of that. And for her to come to work, to do the stuff she does, to say the types of things she says, it's just incredible to see the shoe on the other foot and her just go silent now. And I am so sick of all of these leftist politicians that love to try to cancel culture people. They love to try to call for people to be boycotted or to be removed from office or perhaps impeached like the former president. Yet when they do something wrong, when the shoe's on the other foot, they lock their accounts, they disappear, they no comment everything, and they just wait for it to hopefully try to blow over. It worked well for Councilor Mejia's buddy there, Rachel Rollins, when she had a road rage incident in a parking lot with somebody um, about a year and a half ago, and it got swept out under the rug by the now governor-elect up there in Massachusetts. And where is Rachel Rollins now? State attorney for the uh, state of Massachusetts. So I guess dodge, deflect, deny, and wait for your Democratic buddies to clean it up for you. We'll see if Julia Mejia there has enough uh, friends in high places to make this one go away for her. Next! Drugs and alcohol have ruined my life. (laughs) All right, the next story I want to talk about is, have you guys heard of this uh, jackass by the name of Sam Brinton? He works for the Biden administration. He's that one who's completely bald, um, wears a mustache, redhead too, because it's a creepy looking red mustache, um, and rocks lipstick, high heels, and women's clothing. Yeah, that guy. He got a job with the Biden administration, supposedly uh, because he knows how to handle nuclear waste. That's what he is supposed to specialize in. But we all know that the guy got the job because he is a quote-unquote non-binary, whatever that means, um, you know, flamboyant, dress-wearing, fetish, sexual fetish speaker, and that's what got him this job. He checked a box, he fit a quota, and he was able to be used to aggravate and annoy, you know, conservative Republicans. And that's why he got the job that he got. So what's got him in the news these days? Well, he has now been arrested for twice stealing luggage at airports. And the luggage is filled with women's clothing. Like he he waits around at the airport, gets off the the airplane, has no bags of his own, no checked bags, and goes and waits around by the luggage claim and then tries to grab a bag (laughs) that has females clothing in it and then walks off with it because that's what he's into, I guess. And the first one um, was like a month and a half ago. And that caused a little controversy, a a little controversy. And now um, he's at it again. So just got busted again where they realized at a um, airport that they could in fact identify him now. And this is just shameful, shameful stuff. And again, it harkens back to one of my favorite recent lines lately. 
what are we doing here, people? We need to stop elevating these people who have mental issues. This guy clearly has some mental stuff going on upstairs. Walks around in dresses, stiletto heels, shaved head, lipstick. No, that guy doesn't take himself serious. Why should we take him serious? He's living in a fantasy world, and we're just uh, happy to be going along for the ride with him. And Biden gives this guy a platform and an opportunity just because it's going to help his political nonsense. He's going to earn some brownie points with the trans community for giving this jackass a position in power. This same guy literally gives speeches about BDSM sex and how, how to how to use like like leashes. And, and there's pictures of him online walking around somebody like a dog with a mask on like the gimp. Bring out the gimp, right? And we give the people like this positions of power in this country. That's what the world's coming to. You tell me whether that's right or wrong. Next. Say the right things, daughter. You're not a daughter. You're binary, non-binary. You're non-binary. So this third story is coming to us from the DailyMail.com, and it was an incident of a female trans ice hockey player, 32 years old, who left a rival, King Cust, in a brutal tackle, they call it, um, when it should be check. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened. So... Let's dissect this story and kind of figure out what's going on here. And this comes on the heels of the NHL tweeting out that nonsense a few weeks ago about trans women are women. That BS. So they were sponsors of this event, whatever whatever the heck it was. So let's, let's dive in, okay? So here's from the story. Lexi Seton, 32, earned backlash after leaving Danny Maggie knocked out on the ice when she slammed into him during the Team Trans Ice Hockey Draft in Middleton, Wisconsin, late last month. So I I paused there for a second, and you probably know why, but I'll correct that sentence so it makes a little bit more sense to you now. Leaving Danny Mankey knocked out on the ice when he slammed into her during the Team Trans Ice Hockey Draft. So the guy in this situation identifies now as a female and the girl in this situation now identifies herself as a male. So super confusing stuff going on here, right? Who's who? What's what? How does this story make any sense? How's a guy getting run over by a girl playing hockey? And why should we care if that guy got hurt because of it? Man up, right? Well, the reason we care is because that guy's, in fact, a girl, and the girl who ran him over, (laughs) see, now I'm doing it. The girl who ran her over is, in fact, a man, much bigger, much stronger than the girl that he concussed. So the entire premise of this story is ridiculous because they continue to refer to these people involved in the incident under their preferred pronouns. So anybody who tries to read this story without understanding exactly what's going on is going to have no clue how to take this thing or why they should care about it. So I'm going to keep going through it and try to see if we can make it make sense a little bit here, okay? All right, let's replace some words again here, okay? And and I'll try and I'll read what's written and then give you my version. Makey was playing for Team Black against Sexton's Team Pink for the tournament when he, really should say, she was struck on the ice by the pink and blue-haired player. The force of the blow knocked Makey off his, which should say her, skates, and sent him, really her, spinning into the rink wall. He, really is a she, was left lying immobile on the ice and was stretchered off to the hospital afterwards, where he, again, should be she, was diagnosed with a concussion. You guys follow me? This stuff making sense yet? (laughs) Actually, no. (laughs) Going on. After the tournament, Makey posted a statement announcing he, again, should say she, was okay, but gave a confused explanation of what happened. Quote, I was playing the puck, and I took a very odd fall into the boards. 
end quote. He wrote, again, should say she, explaining he, again, she, was concussed and left with some muscle strains, but made no mention of the hit from number 90. All right, here's some of the meat and potatoes I want to look into on this one. Again, back to the story here from the Daily Mail. Journalist Jonathan Kay watched the tournament in person and accused the NHL, Vice, and Hockey News Magazine of covering up the incident, as well as what he claims was an obvious advantage enjoyed by the trans women-dominated Team Pink. Again, when they say trans women, they mean men. The NHL posted a tweet hailing the groundbreaking tournament as a model of inclusivity, but made no mention of the outcome of the tournament. Vice News sent a five-person camera crew to record the games, but hasn't published or broadcast anything about the clash. Hockey News parroted a line from Team Trans Ice Hockey's official Twitter account saying that the arena was buzzing with trans joy for two solid days. No mention of results or the concussion was reported. Neither the NHL nor Team Trans Ice Hockey responded to DailyMail.com's request for comment. I love that propaganda there too, huh? That tweet that they that they reference in there, the arena was buzzing with trans joy for two solid days. I had more fans there to watch a watch a squirt bees game back when I was eleven years old than these people had for a trans game they had going on. This looked like a little hole in the wall rink with about five people in there total. <laughs> so yeah, it was really buzzing. The story goes on to say Kay claimed that the tournament's outcome was telling of the problems with transgender women, again, men, competing against biological women or trans men, other no, otherwise known as biological women. <laughs> Many scientists believe most trans women who have gone through puberty as a boy enjoy considerable physical advantages over biological women, even after beginning hormone treatment as they transition. Kay pointed out that Team Pink, which was largely comprised of trans women, again, men, not only won the entire tournament, but flattened the opposing Team Black, which had only two trans women, which had only two men. There was an enormous difference in size between the two teams' height, weight, shoulder width, muscles. The differences were plain to even a child. Kay quoted a member of the audience telling him, I don't know how the teams were made, they added, but any fan could see that this couldn't possibly be fair and that someone could get hurt, and someone did. In just the second period of the championship match, Team Pink could reportedly be heard discussing how to end the game early, with one player suggesting the game be called on the spot with the announcement that everyone won. (laughs) everyone won that really sums up that story uh for you huh what better way to you know appease a whole group of confused misgendered misrepresented unsure who they really are people out there than to just declare everybody won and everybody gets a trophy even that chick laying on the ice concussed um getting stretched out of here because she got flattened by by a grown-ass man even that one, even that girl can get a trophy. Wow. What is the world coming to? Next. Great day for competitive men's hockey, eh? What's women's hockey like? Same thing, less competitive or what? All right. And let's get over to this one here. This story is coming to us from the Daily Wire. And it is um, a story that comes from Oklahoma where a female high school student was beaten up very badly by a high school boy that was in the women's bathroom with her. You see the progression that we're on here? We, you know, we started with Sam Brinton just wearing some dresses, stealing some lingerie. Then we go to guys that think they're girls, beaten and concussing, real girls while playing sports. And now we're in a high school where a girl got her ass beat by a boy because he identified as a female and was in the bathroom with her. Do you see why this stuff is wrong yet? Okay, reading from the story here in the Daily Wire, the headline says, Transgender student charged for alleged violent assault of two girls in school bathroom. The incident occurred at an Oklahoma high school. 
A transgender high school student has been charged after allegedly assaulting two female students in the girls' bathroom at an Oklahoma high school, leaving them with injuries. The alleged incident occurred on October 26th, just north of Oklahoma City, according to the police report, which was obtained by the feminist outlet Redux. A police officer responded to the school at around 8 a.m. to reports of a fight. He found a female student in the nurse's office who had suffered injuries to her face and head, including several red areas on her face. Both of her eyes were starting to swell up, the officer noted in the report. The trans-identifying student, a biological male, otherwise known as a male, reportedly approached one of the girls in the bathroom while she was speaking with friends and attempted to talk to her, but she ignored him. He then became angry and approached her with bald fists, asking if she wanted to fight, according to the report. The student then allegedly hit the female victim in the face, pulled her hair, and forced her to the ground, where he kicked her in the face and punched her repeatedly. The girl indicated to police that the attack was forceful enough to prevent her from fighting back. The girl's friends witnessed the alleged incident and pleaded with the trans-identifying student to stop. When one of the girls attempted to stop the attacker, she was allegedly punched twice on the left side of her face. She was left with injuries to her eye, face, and head with a possible concussion, according to the police report. One of the friends who witnessed the alleged attack said that the girl who tried to stop the attacker felt that her friend's life was at risk because the attacker is a man. I mean, where are the parents in all this stuff, too? How do you get away with this stuff? Somebody should be talking to this boy's parents and telling them to stop being ridiculous and stop putting other children at risk because you don't know how to raise a child. You don't know what to do to somebody uh, for someone who's extremely confused and troubled. You're unwilling to do something about it, so you'd rather indulge their delusions and make the rest of us go along with it? Unbelievable. Continuing in the story, um, it says, Initially, there was some confusion over the attacker's gender identity because the police officer who responded eventually located a paternity affidavit that indicated the student is a biological male. When the student's parent arrived to pick him up, she also confirmed that he is born male but identified as female. Also at the school, the parent also reportedly blamed the female victim, saying she had made fun of her child for being transgender. I just said it. Where's the parent getting the blame for this? Instead, she'd rather try to remain the victim. Uh, I'm just assuming that was she. It actually doesn't say if the parent was this child's mother or father, but I'd put... 99% uh, certainty around the fact that that's this um, child's mother showing up trying to blame the poor girl who got her ass beat for making fun of her trans child. I'm sorry, your child does deserve to be made fun of. That's absurd. Walking around dressed as a female? You're a grown-ass boy. You're in high school. Act like it. The parent of the trans-identifying student also said the victims made cyberbullying posts directed at the attacker on social media. This is absurd. How are we going to turn it around so these poor girls who got beat up are now the ones at fault? That's the way this trans mom wants, uh, wants the story to go. Why don't we just tell the kid he can't wear dresses, tell the kid he has to dress like a boy, tell the kid he's not allowed to go in the women's bathroom? How about that? think we could help clear this stuff up very quickly if we went down that road next you can go to the doctor and get cut up you can go down to the dress shop and get made up you can go down there and get drugged up but at the end of the day you were just a drugged up dressed up made up cut up man or woman and the last story we want to get to today is the um big celebration that they just had at the white house the um light up the white house in rainbow colors because they wanted to celebrate the respect for marriage act you know that one that just recently passed through the senate with the help of what 14 was it republican senators completely going along with the idea of uh redefining the term marriage yep president biden 
held an event where, for some reason, had to invite drag queens and trans activists to the event um, celebrating marriage and wanted to, you know, talk about love being love, man. Come on, man. Remember? My dad saw two men kiss each other in the middle of the street back in the 1930s. And he told me, Joey, look, take a look over there. That's just love. That's love. Yeah, I'm sure he probably would have told a story like that. But instead, he was uh, up there telling everybody how the Respect for Marriage Act is more than just marriage. It involves all these other things, too. Juice, you might have something from that, right? I don't know if we if we have any clips anyways from him, but why don't, you, why don't you give us that one where he takes it from marriage and then includes every other victim group or minority or, you know, LGBTQ Y plus person uh, in the equation, you know, wrapped up into this one neat bow for him. Juice? We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children terrifying families and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. We have to protect these children so they know they're loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. And do you see why I decided to tell these stories like this today? There's a method to the madness and just wanted to try to use the stories we had today by illustrating and and pointing out the the slope that we are currently plummeting down with the rhetoric and the pushing this stuff on the rest of the country when it doesn't need to be coming from the top down, from the president of the United States, from the ultra far left extremist progressives out there. (laughs) See, we can do it too. Um, But at the end of the day, We've covered this a ton with the marriage issue, so I don't want to beat a dead horse with that, but it starts with leave us in our own bedrooms to do whatever we want, right? And then it goes to give us civil unions. We want to um, visit our sick loved ones in the hospital. We want to um, get the same benefits with health insurance that everybody else does. And then it becomes, well, that's not dignified enough. It needs to be marriage. We're the same as you. Everything's the same there. And then it becomes, oh, now you need to hire this uh, cross-dressing, non-binary, binary dog fetish guy as uh, into a prominent role. Then you have to have the Admiral Levine, the man who thinks he's a woman, running health you know, services, whatever the hell he does, up there in a prominent position of power as well. Then you're going to have these people playing in sports with everybody. You get the Leah Thompsons of the world kicking everybody's ass in the swimming competitions because he's a man competing against females. Then you're going to go to these bathroom beatings. We had the one in Loudoun County, Virginia, that got Glenn Youngkin elected governor because a kid was raped. A child was raped in the bathroom by a boy because the boy was allowed in the girl's bathroom under those Virginia ridiculous policies. How much further do we need to go? Joe Biden has this guy at the White House who's got videos up talking about how much he loves D. And I'm going to spare everybody from saying it. You know what I'm talking about. But this guy's up there. Every one of his his videos, he's half naked talking about how much D he consumes and loves and, and can take. And you got that person, you're giving him a prominent opportunity to come to the White House? I'm sorry. You know, I'm not trying to begrudge anybody who carries themselves dignified, wants to live a regular, normal life, and happens to be gay. I get it. People are like that out there. Nobody's attacking people like that. The right and conservatives and people like me are basically just asking, can we not have that Canadian teacher with the quadruple X fake breasts hanging down to their knees trying to teach my children something in a public school? Can we not get non-binary stories taught to our fifth grade English classes? Can we do away with the drag queen story hours and the twerking on stage in front of children? That's what we don't want to go along with. And that's what the Biden administration is forcing down everybody's throats these days. And it sums it all up when they have this respect for marriage act 
that they got passed, and they invite all these drag queens and trans activists there too. Again, what are we doing here, people? Next! So we've made it to that point in the show today where we get to highlight someone who has said something completely ridiculous, completely absurd, and the only thing we're left to say is, come on, man. So who's it going to be this week? Why don't we go to this story um, where it was a member of a school board declaring and announcing her reasoning for voting against the person who most people agreed was extremely, extremely qualified to lead the district as the president. So without further ado, let's hear from Megan Brock. Juice? Having said that, I believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board president of this district sends the wrong message to our community, a message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken, whether we speak them from the neighborhood sidewalks or from behind these tables. Mrs. Steinbeck has done an exemplary job as president these last few months, and the strength of her performance has earned her my vote tonight. <laughs> oh, man. What is a cis white male? What a moron. Um, and what a backhanded compliment to the person she did vote for at the end of that, where she gives this whole reasoning for voting against the person who is qualified that most people would agree, uh, you know, would earn the vote of many on that board. So she gives all this, this reasoning behind it and then says, oh, and by the way, um, I did vote for this person because she's super qualified for it. Not because, um, she checks the right boxes of not being a cis white male. <laughs> Ridiculous. And the good thing is, um, after the backlash from this popping off, this woman is resigning at the end of the um, current school year. So that's a good thing. But that mindset, that's the cancer that's within the um, school systems and within the woke ideology culture um, in general that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why I advocate for talking about this stuff amongst friends and family when you do gather together. Bring stuff like this up because people like her think this way, but when given any kind of pushback, would quickly fold. She can't defend that position. So she avoids the topic and then she speaks like that when she thinks nobody else is going to rebut her. That's when no one else is going to have the opportunity to directly confront the ridiculous mindset that she has. She thought she was going to be able to stand up there, grandstand and come across as a hero because she helped the under un, underrepresented female candidate get the job instead of the Big, bad, cis, white, male, whatever she calls them. And it failed epically, thankfully. She was mocked and ridiculed into the position of actually resigning because of the backlash she faced after that video went viral. And I'm I'm sorry, you should. The thought process behind this stuff just does not make sense. It really makes me think, and, and I still can't shake it. This happened a while ago now. Um, you know, I'd rather not identify the person who I did have this conversation with, but it is somebody that I, um, that I love and respect. And I never, you know, I haven't forgotten that when I described the group of friends, my, my son had at our old school in the city of Boston and all of us, other parents all were in the same boat, friendly with all, all of us, friendly with each other. The kids were, um, there was a Puerto Rican, a, um, a black Asian mixed child, a, um, 
a Polynesian child and, and my son, uh, the lone white guy in the group. And they all were buddies. They all got along great. Everybody, they didn't care about their races. Nobody cared. The parents, we, we used to joke that they were the United Nations crew. <laughs> and it was funny. But at the end of the day, the kids didn't care less. But the thing that I can't shake is somebody not in that circle that I'm friends with, that I that I love and respect. I remember once posing the question, hey, all these kids are in the same class, same grade, all live in the city of Boston here. When they all try to apply to colleges, should those kids be able to get allowed the opportunity to get into that college before my son does because of their color of their skin? And this person looked at me with a straight face and was like, yep, yes, they should. And I, I was floored by that. And I still think about it all the time. And, you know, I'd love to revisit it at some point because I don't know if it's just, hey, I don't want to get into it with you right now. I'll just say that and walk away. Or if that person truly, truly, truly deep down believes that. Because I, I would say that they don't, but they're so invested in that woke progressive mindset that that's the type of stuff they will say. And that's what it made me think of watching that video of that school board member saying she's not going to vote for the guy that could have this position just because he's a guy and he's white. So for that ridiculous school board member, you my friend, have earned yourself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for joining in, for listening. And remember, give us a uh, five-star review and like and share the show. And with that being said, I have nothing else for you today except thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and Makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.